welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, Base Campers. I hope you're all doing well. As someone who has done his fair share of shadow work, it's easy to see the emotional charge and projection of shadow onto Donald Trump. Want to trigger and unhinge the left? Simply mention Donald Trump and watch the emotional upheaval that ensues. This has become well known as Trump derangement syndrome. It's all very interesting. And why is that? Let's take a look. In men's work, which has some of its roots in Jungian psychology, whenever a man or woman has an emotional charge, it can be a signal that there's a projection afoot. What exactly is a projection? It's everything you can't stand about yourself. To be precise, it's everything you hide, deny, or repress about yourself. All those traits and behaviors and things that you can't own, you will find a person to carry those for you. This sounds harsh at first, but if you work with it a bit, it frees you. And freedom from projections helps everyone, especially yourself. And how do you know that you're projecting? Easy. You will feel a clear emotional charge, either positive or negative, an aversion or attraction towards the individual or groups of people that receive your projection. So why is the left so unhinged and triggered by Donald J. Trump? Through this lens, it's crystal clear. The left is projecting a lot of unwanted traits and behaviors onto this one man. Donald Trump is the mirror that the left can't look at. I say this with compassion and a desire to assist you on your hero's journey. Donald Trump is here to teach you something. Would you like to be free of this emotional trigger? If so, here's how I did it. Set aside 15 minutes, take out a sheet of paper and a pen, and list all of the traits that you absolutely disdain in Donald Trump. Make sure you get them all. Aggressive, narcissistic, inappropriate, rude, selfish. Keep going. Arrogant, thinks the rules don't apply to him. Did I miss any? I'm sure I did. Keep going until you get them all. Next, you're going to claim all of these projected shadow traits or behaviors. How do you do that? You do this by claiming each one is your own, and I'm going to show you how to do that right now. Even though I no longer have a projection onto Donald Trump, or not much of one anyways, Trump feels like an ally to me, partly because of this work. But you see, Trump used to trigger me just like you back when I was a lefty. So here's my old list back in 2016. I will list the projected trait and how I can be that way. In effect, removing the projected shadows. You will do this with your list. Here we go. Trump is aggressive. Well, I can be aggressive in all sorts of ways. I used to be a successful athlete, and you don't get to be that way without a healthy dose of aggression. I can be aggressive about asserting my opinions as I do on this show from time to time. Next, Trump is narcissistic. I can be narcissistic and self-serving at times. There have been a thousand times when I've been vain and concerned with my image. Even at my age, a middle-aged white dude, I still want people to think I'm healthy and handsome and attractive and smart. You get it. Next, Trump is inappropriate and rude. I can be this way at times. How? Oh, when I think the other person is being an idiot. I seem to enjoy wrecking people's preconceived notions of things, and I can be a provocateur and be a bit of a bull in a china shop. Also, I have a direct communication style that everyone has experienced around me, right? And that can come across as rude and inappropriate. And I have used a cutting, snarky, sarcastic tone on Twitter and social media to skewer groups that I thought had it coming. You following me? Next, Trump thinks he's above the rules. I want to be above the rules. Don't we all? There's an inner teenager, an inner rebel that thinks that rules suck. 
Rules are for other people. Now, I follow laws and rules all the time, but there is a shadow part of me that wants to say fuck the rules. And lastly, for my list anyways, you will have your own. Trump is arrogant. Ah, now we're perhaps getting to the core of the projection. Trump is arrogant. I can also be arrogant. This was the hardest shadow for me to own. For arrogant people would trigger me all the time. What does that tell me? That I carry the trait as a shadow, as something I hide, repress, and deny in myself. How do I know this? Because arrogant people always trigger me. That's how. So if Trump triggers you, an arrogance unclaimed might be right in the heart of the matter. How can I be arrogant? Well, for starters, I'm a former athlete, and athletes sometimes carry a I'm a better than you attitude. It comes from years of competing at the highest levels that you can. Arrogance can be a coping mechanism, and it's not just in sports. I can also think I'm smarter than you or more evolved or wiser. Maybe I'm more successful, etc., etc. I had a woman the other day that I was recently talking with that says, I'm always the smartest person in the room. When I pointed out that statement is arrogant and driven by ego, she seemed taken aback and appalled. How dare I call her the smartest person in the room out? But having grown up in the crucible of men's groups, when the shadow shows itself, we call it out. Not in a gotcha sort of way, but in a here's the edge for you. Here is where your work is sort of way. So make your own list, your own projections onto Donald J. Trump and see what emerges. If you're like me and you do this exercise in an honest and authentic way, you may surprise yourself and find there is one less thing causing you distress. Perhaps most importantly, you have removed a trigger and a source of hatred and suffering in the world and replaced it with compassion, humanity, and understanding. And that, my friend, is what we call alchemy. Nice work, warrior. James Rapson has been an innovator in the field of personal and professional development for over 20 years, a former psychotherapist. His focus is now on training and coaching. He is an internationally published author and nationally recognized speaker and workshop leader, and he also co-authored the book Anxious to Please, Seven Revolutionary Practices for the Chronically Nice with longtime friend and collaborator Craig English. Here is my interview with James Rapson. All right. I am here with longtime psychotherapist and coach James Rapson, friend and friend of the show, James Rapson. James, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you back on the show. Oh, thanks, Tony. It's awesome to be back and great talking to you, my friend. Absolutely. You know, we've done two other episodes that were really, really well received. Um, episode 103, freeing yourself from niceness. I got a lot of really great feedback from that. People love that. And then you and I did one on archetypes for men in episode one, 122 for, for the listeners that want to go backtrack and, and find the other two episodes. And I just really appreciate you coming on and being game. I, I think when we did the first one, you said, Hey, if you ever get in a pinch or, you know, you're in a deadline, feel free to reach <laughs> out. And, you know, it, to have someone like you, uh, I've got a couple others that are kind of like that. I mean, it just helps keep the flow of base camp. I don't have to panic. So thank you, first of all, for being game to come on kind of on short notice and just say, Hey, let's make a conversation. I just really appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. And, and uh, it's, this is fun for me. So I was really, I was really glad that I could, you know, yeah. that I was able to. So, yeah. yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, we have talked a lot about healing the divide I've done you know, really throughout, especially after COVID hit, all of a sudden, um, 
I was feeling the the need to have conversations that bridge the left, center, right, and finding you know the the common themes, the common ground, because I felt like there was a lot of division in the narrative in mainstream media, and I wanted to create something that had a meta narrative that was uplifting for everybody and didn't separate anybody. And I like to kind of go macro to micro, and I love the hero's journey, so I, I like to often look through the lens of what's our collective hero's journey right now? What's the edge for humanity? Uh, and then what's the micro lens for the hero's journey? What's your personal hero's journey? What's my edge, you know, looking at this? Um, and so I guess, you know, and we, we've talked a lot about alchemy on the show as well. And the way I, the way I frame that is just what kind of lower energies or judgments or, or anything that's kind of lower uh, you know, what's the key to transforming that? What's the key to elevating some of the lower frequency, say, thoughts, patterns, behaviors into something that is uh, uh, more unifying for us? Um, and so I'll throw it over to you. Just it's a big question, but I guess, you know, what do you see maybe as our collective hero's journey? What's the edge right now that we're working on as a tribe? And then also maybe what is your edge? What's your contribution to the collective that maybe has you out on your edge? And then I'll share a little bit about maybe what, what my edge is and what my contribution might be on that. Uh, what a great question. I, I love this. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'll just kind of jump in in terms of the, you know, probably not exhaustively answering the question, but just, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what it simulates in, in my thinking. Uh, and I love I love connecting the concept of a collective hero's journey uh, the, to the concept of alchemy. Mm -hmm. um, when I think of when I think of alchemy or what it brought up for me was the concept of the crucible, the concept of uh, you know that container that is that is used by an alchemist. It's used by anybody doing metallurgy. And the concept of the crucible is that it needs to be something that can tolerate a high amount of heat and doesn't crack. And uh, so that a true transformation in the metal or in the things that being transformed uh, can actually happen, uh, the chemistry of it. And uh, when I think about my my history, as as you know, uh, I was 20 years as a psychotherapist. The last 12 plus have been as a coach, but doing a lot of the same work with folks. Uh, and and if I were to pinpoint, like somebody were to ask me to, you know, sort of or oversimplify, what's the what's the quality of the the thread that runs through all of that that potentiates growth? It is the development of the capacity to tolerate intensity. Mm. I love you that. Know, yeah. 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 I mean, in true intensity, uh, not, you know, this sort of um, BS kind of thing, but, yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm not afraid, but actually I am afraid and I'm not and I'm not leaving, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so uh, and it's not mostly it can be. And we'll talk later. I think uh, I think you said maybe we'll talk later about fear itself. Yep. But but um, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but any kind of intense emotion. And so uh, what what I've seen is that the the willingness, 
uh, to to tolerate the intensity of emotion, the intensity, and boy, do we have intensity right now. Oh my okay. gosh, you know, more than I think we've maybe ever had uh, of, of confusion, of overwhelm, uh, of not knowing where we are. And to not try to resolve that by by running out to a polarity mm-hmm. of saying, oh, this is the truth, capital T, I've, I've got my position, you know, and lock in. But to say it's really ambiguous, and I am willing to live in that that somewhat uh, discomfort. That's when it really the magic really starts to happen. So when I think of collective, the collective hero's journey, one of the things that I think about is that I believe, and this might sound, might sound strange to a lot of folks, but I believe that humanity is. Uh, in a sort of uh, adolescence right now, developmentally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're we are uh, not it really have not collectively reached a state of maturity where we're taking care of our stuff very well, yeah. uh, where we've learned how to really be the trustees of the planet that we need to be, and 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 that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I think about an individual's uh, developmental stage of adolescence. It's actually psychologically, it's it's by its nature a defensive position, not because the ego is too strong, but because it's in a way it's too too weak or too un, undeveloped. Mm-hmm. Oh, as a as a species, we don't know truly who we are yet. We don't have that strong sense of identity. I and, agree. As, yeah. and, and as men, it's it's like that. And and in a lot of ways, we're afraid to know. We're not ready to know. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, I see this, I, I'm so interested uh, if you care to comment on this part, but I think we're afraid to embrace our our woundedness and discover the incredible power of, of being wounded healers. I, I realize that's that in some ways is a kind of a, a dated term, but there's a there's a power in embracing that wounded that woundedness uh, in, and we could just say, uh, instead of woundedness or wounded healer, just say of being flawed and and yet embracing that. Because there is a, a very strong and powerful thing that, that, again, that draws us to the polarization instead that says, I'm fine, but you're sick. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, see, I see that played out. I, I like what you said about that. I see that played out. Uh, I agree with what you said. Um, with that we're in an adolescence i see that played out in a little of the peter pan like yes i just want to be i just want to be uh successful and have my boat and i don't want to really dig into all the messy childhood stuff and and you know i, I just want my wife to like uh, applaud me i don't want her getting messy with what she needs that i'm not providing yes um there's just this kind of like i don't want to look at any of the wounds or the shadow yet the most powerful men I know. And I, I'm saying men because I do men's work. So I'm I'm privy yeah. to having a front row seat to this is yeah. they're willing to go into the hurt, the wounds, the fear, the shame, and, and use that as fertilizer for growth. And they're not, they're not, they're not shying away from anything where the one feels a little immature and heavy on the persona. And please don't ask uncomfortable questions because I'm just going to deflect and i don't really know what to do with that i've never really dug in i've never done any therapy or you know whatever the case may be so yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely and that peter pan thing the same thing happens 
in a younger generation, you know, mm. where you know you get this the 24, 27 year old who's uh, living in mom and dad's basement, mm-hmm. which is super common right now. And the argument is made, well, think about the world that they've left and how dark it is and everything like that. And rather than push back against that, when I get a chance to work with those folks, mm-hmm. it's to say, yeah, I get your discouragement, but you need to to grow the hell up. Yeah, exactly. Get yeah. out. And I'm going to help you get out and face that world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. You know, and I, I like what you said about the crucible, too, because I feel like it, 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 when you were saying that, I thought, what a great concept. You know, there's a tendency to think, you know, shit's hitting the fan. Everybody's confused. There's cognitive dissonance. We The, the, the narratives don't line up. Like we're, we're, we're suddenly becoming aware of, God, there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation. And how do we grow up inside of all this? We're trying to make sense of it. But that is the crucible. I think that's what's bringing us forward is it's so massively confusing right now that building, to your point, a capacity to stay with the intents, uh, you know, just like what in the hell is going on? We so the, the ego wants to say, I want to know, I want to be right. Okay, maybe I'm not right. Can I can I co-op some other you know thing and still be right? It's like maybe collectively we don't have to be right. We just need to keep staying with what's going on because I my sense is it's the confusion we're being tested because things could get very very confusing in the narrative coming up in the next few months and I think that the more that we can just stay centered keep yeah. in conversation no matter where the person is you you know yeah. there isn't there isn't really anybody over there that's your enemy is if we can just stay in a heart-centered dialogue own authentically what's going on we'll we'll emerge from this way stronger as a tribe um and we seem to be in the crucible right now because yes. i i feel it and i'm you know, I've done a fair amount of men's work and I've, I've been in the wounds and all that stuff. And I still feel the, 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 the uncomfortability The I'm out on the, I feel out on the edge and like, Whoa, this is, this is getting, I don't know how you're feeling. I would hand it back over to you, but I, I'm feeling like it's very intense and very intense for me personally right now to kind of hold some space and to just like, don't get, don't get reactive just because everything's getting reactive. You can be the calm center you can be a witness to what's happening and that's going to help a lot that's going to provide some strength to all the stuff that's going on i don't know how that resonates with you but it does yeah. it does and we need to part of that calm that you're talking about and it, it, we find that um if if we get better at uh, kind of being the architect of of a, a life and we're intentionally aiming and uh, building for a calmer life. Part of that can be the web that we help build and are part of. We prioritize calm people mm-hmm. and uh, more developed people who can be part of that. But the web very well supports calmness as opposed to supporting uh, escalation. Yeah, It's it's part of you, know, you think about how a, a hammock is constructed you know, uh, a hammock doesn't spring very well. It's not good at increasing, you know, waves and escalation and everything. It absorbs it. Yeah. And and they're very good at that. So uh, one of the things that that I teach people to do is, uh, is to put yourself in a position where the the swells of of intensity are not constant. 
they are in fact like waves. So they can peak at escalate at, at, at these waves like a wave does. Mm-hmm. It hits a peak, but then it ebbs. Right. And and that really helps with uh with your ability to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. It's it's the people who are in situations where the escalation goes up and then it stays. Right. And then it stays and stays and stays and stays and there's no end in sight. That yeah. does that does bad things to the emotional system. Absolutely. And so part part of it is also how you structure your life. Mm-hmm. So so make sure you're you're make sure you're dropping yourself, you're dropping your nervous system down. Like yes. if you no, notice that you're constantly agitated and constantly emotional about things, maybe yeah step back. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I've had to work at this cause I'm an emotional guy, you know, yeah. and I, and I want to stay informed, but there's a limit. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't want to be too worked up. I really don't. I don't, I don't want to get too despairing or too judgmental. So for me, a little bit of information about what's going on goes a long ways. Um, yeah. and, and I can sit with it and I don't want to lose my life. I don't want to lose my presence, you know, which is so important to my family and to my loved ones and my community. Um, so that's part of my like micro managing, you know, the macro, you know, yeah. kind of thing is like, well, wait a minute, go coach soccer and have a good time today. Right don't on. worry, don't worry about Ukraine right now. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah so, well, yeah. if if you're an emotional guy, then you're built to be an emotional guy. Yep. And and what's overwhelming to to someone else won't be overwhelming to you. Correct. We just we just want a person to uh, to uh, add, to the best of their ability, not everything is in your control, but to the best of your ability, construct a life that that supports you being calm enough, mm-hmm. so that it's not constant. So a lot of people will, when they come to me, uh, I and, and I'm not saying this like to be advertising me as the coach. No, I'm no, I saying, get you. I know that yeah, you're yeah, 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 no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but that when they come to me, they feel like. Well, I don't realize that I'm, you know, as far as I know, I, I'm doing that. But then, you know, as we talk, I find out that they've got some some news station on 24-7, you know, right. for example, or, you know, a, a number, you know, it could be anything. It could be their, yeah. the amount of caffeine that they're doing or how much uh, something else, or they're in an incredibly stressful relationship all the time, you know, their yeah. girlfriend or their boyfriend or what have you, uh, you know. And so we talk about, uh, the the need to be able to have uh, things in their life that uh, it can peak stress, but that mm. really permits that stress to drop down. So let's say, you know, anytime you give somebody a zero to 10 scale, you know, and, and you ask, okay, what, at what point, what number would you say is, is where you start, like it starts falling apart and it's mm. too much overwhelm. Reliably, they're going to either say seven or eight. Yep. You know, now it's very subjective. It'll be different for each person, but they're going to say seven or eight is when it starts falling apart, right? Yeah. And for a lot of people, they, you know, they get up in the morning, they live at six. Yeah. So there's not much room for anything to go wrong. There's not much room. We need to be living at three. Right, 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 and that's that's all I'm saying. So again, I don't want to get too much in the weeds. No, no, no. It's it's really good because I think that you know, there's a little of that going on collectively too. I don't think collectively we're at a three right now. <laughs> I no, think we're, no. you know, so it's not just individuals. I think collectively no. we have been stirred and pickled right. and, Correct. you know, they keep throwing these different things to try to agitate. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter which group you're in or which side you think you're, yeah, it, they're agitating a lot. 100, of 
you know, and so 100% agree. They, they're counting on you watching and getting more fearful and agitated and judgmental, yes. you know, so correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Correct. Uh, what, what do we, what do we lose? You know, when you, when you talk about cancel culture, this has yeah. been big, it's been big on the libertarian, right? Uh, I know because I've been a part of that group that got booted off of, you know, Twitter and had, you know, I saw this a lot with it wasn't just the election integrity, which the you know the one side was saying, hey, there there they were there's some fishy stuff going on, and here's all the evidence, and here's the movie that they made about it. The other side saying, no, that's that's a bunch of BS. That's just uh, you know misinformation. Uh, when the when the COVID hit, and then the vaccines came out, that cancel culture got extended to doctors that really cared about people and said, well, wait a minute. We're only hearing one side of the story. This is not informed consent. Um, here's yeah. a bunch of evidence that is by good doctors, uh, and that got censored too. Those doctors got kicked off and got uh, muted by by the social media. Did not get reported. It's almost like we didn't get a collective uh, 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 informed consent on the vaccine. So you had one side saying, Hey, this is experimental. I'm not doing this. We have to let everybody know. And the other side saying, Hey, why don't you shut up over there uh, and just get a lot, get, you know, go with the program, trust Dr. Fauci. Uh, and then you had people like uh, Robert Kennedy, you know, comes out with uh, the real Dr. Fauci, which again, on the right side, everybody read the book, but it was all stuff they knew about where he was compromised. And then that got canceled again. So what, what do we, what do we miss out on when we only hear one side of the story, I guess, is part of what I'm saying. It doesn't really matter where you land. I don't care if people want to get vaccinated. That's fine. You know, uh, if they want to wear masks, that's fine, too. My issue is with you won't let the one side say what the other side of the issue is. And certainly when you're talking about trained doctors, you know, around the world being censored that's an issue on whether or not you want to do something and so i just wanted to get your like what do we miss out on when we don't hear all sides of the issue you know it doesn't have to be they're played up but when they're when they're purposely being kicked off of social media it's difficult to get word to a group that's maybe not seeing the same sort of evidence that you are about this might not be what it, they say it is does that make sense Oh, it does. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to uh, take like a, even a, a higher step back, kind of up maybe the 10,000 foot or 30,000 foot view yeah. here. Let's do that. Yep. Um, because a lot of what you're talking about right now is even beyond cancel culture. And it's really talking about censorship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the freedom of speech and, and, and so forth. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, this is, this is something we simply haven't figured out. We, we have not yet figured out because, um, I think if you talk to most Americans, I think they would, they would, they would say, most would say, I wholeheartedly believe in the importance of freedom of speech. Most would. I don't sure. know that all, all of them are as passionate about it. The majority, as, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some are more passionate. It sounds like you and I have in common, uh, no surprise, but yep. you and I have in common that we're pretty passionate about freedom of speech. Yep. Uh, and 
that, but there's also, um, not just in this particular case, uh, but in a lot of cases, there is an increasing, increasing, rapidly increasing ability to fool people. Mm-hmm. You know, and the development of like the deep fake stuff, and oh my god, uh, you know, it's like scary, and and it's it's out there, but without a moderator uh, uh, that I we know. can tr- that we can trust, and the ability to you know uh, whatever it is, Facebook or Twitter, you yeah. know, some some faceless, nameless person who says you know this is not reliable information and so forth, and we're just seeking. You know, so it really primarily is left to the individual to go out there and say, I don't believe that. Or I did I did some research for well over two and a half minutes and, you know, on on Google, you know, and and then what do we what do we trust? We trust our own network of people, you know, that, you know, here's these people that I trust and these other people I don't trust. And 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 that can be it can work and it might not work. Mm -hmm. And and so in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, we're we're pre-adolescence in this in this respect. What we have is we have these really powerful tools that we don't know how to use, and uh, the degree to which we experience uh, someone intervening, uh, whether it's it's Twitter, Facebook, the government, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somebody else, whether we view them, experience them as protecting us. Or censoring us, it yeah. kind of depends on what decision they make, you right. know, and, and whether or not it agrees with us. It's it, it's it's probably. But as I say, I generally I lean toward freedom of speech. I I you know uh, I would I mostly rather have mistakes made in that arena. You know, kind of like let people put their stuff out there. But it still scares me. It still scares me about about how people take that and abuse it. You know, when we think about cancel culture, uh, and I'm not saying that this is the first appearance of this this uh, thing, but with the development of the internet, and I don't mean when it first appeared, but I mean when it kind of was like everyone was using it. Yeah. And we first got the first occurrences of this. It was a kind of David and Goliath situation. Uh, from the research I did on this, it, it looked like uh, it was it was uh, some some gay men who were kind of powerless in a situation. And then they were like, you know what, we're going to out these people, and then they got some support, and it kind of turned something around and allowed them to to become empowered where they weren't empowered. Okay, that sounded pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then there was a there was a, a group of uh, of, of uh, African Americans who used it in a similar way. And it wasn't long after that that some people kind of looked the way humans historically have since we were using, you know, rocks and clubs, uh, like, oh, there's a tool. I think I'll use it for my own personal gain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they started misusing it. We had, uh, again, from my perspective, we had that turnaround super fast with the Me Too movement where the first few cases of that were like, these people are horrible. Yeah. You know, so there's this group, kind of groups, crowdsourcing thing, campaign. Yeah, we're going to get power by, you know, getting a group together. And shortly thereafter, there was a co-opting of that that, you know, just ended up getting super super ugly and mm-hmm. a very chilling effect of like, I, you know, I don't think I can say anything. I object yeah. to this, but oh man, I don't want that turned on me. Yeah. I right. Know. Exactly. And you know, so, I, I'm glad you brought up the deep fake thing too. We never really talked about it because I just, for me, 
And for those who don't know, you know, if you if you go on, if you look for deep fake, they'll they'll give you a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it's just to me, it's really scary because I'm like, how are people going to be able to tell what's real at the point when you can body double any world leader? Yes. You know, and I, I see stuff they say, you know, uh, Zing Z's been doubled Trump, you know, and it's like you start looking at kind of side by side pictures of some of these guys. And you're like, I don't think that's the same dude. Right. And so then you're like, right. I don't know what to believe. You're like, and I don't want to dig too much into it because I'm like, there's nothing I can do. And it, it kind of yes. stresses me out because I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to tell what's what here. I got us. It's testing my faith that there's there's pro-humanity powerful forces that are helping us figure this out because if i just go down the deep fake rabbit hole it's just like oh my god i don't even want to tell anybody about this because it's so uh intimidating frankly yeah. right right um just the ability to fool the masses about what's happening so well, i i stay very informed and i uh i think i think we live in kind of a in some ways on this ai stuff we live in a fairly quaint era you know when if you've got an alexa unit for example or uh siri you know where you know the the the, one of those things will say something cute that's so lame of like i don't understand what you just said or you know they'll do something and we'll laugh and part of why we laugh is because oh i just caught you being a machine yeah well that's 2022 exactly right you know this sort of thing or being able to spot the deep fake and it's so obvious uh but it's they're refining that stuff oh yeah all the time and and so forth uh and right now i i promise i'm not trying to again gin up the fear it's more like tell yourself the truth tell yourself the truth about where we're at and we're going to have to walk through it together Mm -hmm. and we will yeah exactly you know i wanted to try we don't talk about Trump a whole lot. He's so controversial. Um, but I, I've never really talked to anybody. I know you and I differ a little bit about how we see the shadow. So I I grew up in in men's men's groups, uh, and I was trained to see the shadow is is the projected. It's the part of ourselves that we hide, deny, and repress. Mm-hmm. And there's a dynamic where we tend to project it into the other. Mm-hmm. instead of owning you know and yeah i saw it a lot in men's groups where somebody be like god i can't stand this guy and then we did this really elegant process where mm-hmm. the person would say you know here's my judgments of you jim you're you know you're a jerk you don't you only think about yourself you know he would lay out all this kind of you know what would be a lot of people if they were listening to him and say oh those are kind of ugly things he's saying about him but then a brilliant thing would happen. He would own and claim how he can be that way. And I, I did that with Dick Cheney in my book because Dick Cheney was this monster on the right. And I was a liberal at the time I wrote the book. So I was like, I just couldn't stand Dick Cheney. You know, I was just like, Dick Cheney is like Darth Vader. And I noticed, huh, you know, I'm carrying a big charge on Dick Cheney. Let, Let me do the work, shall I? And so I basically wrote out my projections, all the things that I couldn't stand about Dick Cheney. He's arrogant. He's aggressive. He's ruthless. He doesn't care about other people. Uh, You know, he's a narcissist. He's, you know, I laid out all these things and then claimed how I can be, how I am like that as well. These are just characteristics. I don't want to own that I can be that way. Not all the time, but enough to where I don't want to say I can be arrogant. Right. Yes. Yes. And 
watching Donald Trump and the left's hysterical uh, hysteria around him got me to think about how much the left projects onto him. You know, they just they say the same things over and over. He's this, he's this. And I just I started to think about it in terms of psychodynamics. I'm like, they're they're just not claiming their own arrogance and that they can be insensitive to others. And then maybe they can be kind of narcissistic. Um, I mean, I could I could totally own all the things that the left claims about Donald Trump. I can own the characteristics for myself. Arrogant. I can say the wrong thing. I can mm-hmm. be inappropriate. I sent out mean tweets. Uh, I could be self-centered at times, uh, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. And I just think there's so much juicy work for the left if they could see, huh, you know, there's something there about Trump that is trying to teach me something about myself. I guess that's where I'm going with it, James. It's like, it's like he is a valuable teacher if you're willing to just drop your gloves and say, wait a minute, what is he trying to teach me? Because get, I get worked up just hearing his name. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I'm not sure that we are really very far apart on, uh, mm. on the stuff about project, projection of the shadow okay. and stuff like that. But, uh, and, and I think you're, I think you're probably very, very correct. Um, I know from so many years of working with this with folks, uh, I, I find myself, um, almost navigating this from the feeling that I get being in the room with someone who has that kind of energy you're referring mm-hmm. to, okay. you know, it's a little, it's almost like, uh, if you think of, you know, the kind of, uh, waves electrical waves uh it, it feels like a sawtooth wave to me yep. it's a little little jagged zzz, for sure you know, a thing yep. and so when i was i was thinking about this before we met i was thinking you know okay for starters yeah if you had this you know died in the wall anti-trump democrat uh who was on the show trying to do this there would be kind of almost like an irony about the intensity with which, like, if you asked this question, brought this up, the intensity mm. with which they deny that 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 was their case. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, and and that would prove, and I, I shouldn't say prove, but it would really demonstrate yeah. your point about about how much they're obsessing about their favorite boogeyman, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and part of part of why it, it's the favorite boogeyman is because uh, it it gives them a sanctioned target for their aggression and for, you know, for the kind of the, uh, the, and a distraction from their own internal conflicts, which are more complex and the reality where there are few, if any true villains or heroes in that Hollywood sense of those words, uh, you know, but then I started thinking, you know, and this is kind of where you just went, uh, which I love. If you had, Instead of the the uh, the, the true uh, anti-Trump Democrat on the show, if you had like a, a, a one of those really fanatical pro-Trump supporters, you know, there's like yeah. you know, it would be kind of if we could just like uh, turn down the volume for a sec, you know, it'd be like the same energy, totally, you know, and and then we would see the same dynamics being played out. And so part of what I thought was. It may not matter very much whether the charismatic leader is mm. Trump, Obama, JFK, Reagan, FDR, whoever. 
they tend to attract that kind of thing for people who are uh, have this this unresolved stuff internally and are you know almost like a lightning rod uh, uh, wanting uh, or drawn to something like that to you know uh, yeah. direct to so it's really not uh, an index about whether that person that 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 leader you know like deserves all the attention or or something mm-hmm. like that this sort of unloading and uh, direction is is going to happen uh and well, the- and i've i've heard i've heard to your point earlier about the other side uh where they load up the savior complex on yeah. donald trump and it's like well that's not that's projection as well <laughs> like right. if you right. like, like this one guy's gonna save yeah. the whole thing it's like that's right. not really what that's not a great way to frame it either you know no so, no yeah. and you can you can talk to the i don't know if you have but you can talk to an awful lot of 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 democrats who projected that onto obama for sure you know and of course there's campaigning and he, he is not innocent of yeah. you know like he, he encouraged it you know like they do yeah you know uh but but who you know those same people uh you know i mean people turned on jesus in the same way you know so yeah. it's like those people with obama they're sort of disappointed they failed to notice that he was just a moderate he was not you know his his career up until that point and to become president he was not a reformer you know but right. nobody nobody paid attention to that and then all of us you know they're like well you're going to you're going to come in and you're going to totally read you know change everything that we wanted to change right and he's like yeah i'm not really going to do that no nope. <laughs> and he didn't no and not there, at all. you know and it's so when you say this is what happens to saviors you know uh what is it well, what do you what do you think is like? I wanted to talk a little bit about fear. What's the collective fear right yeah. now? You know, I mean, I wanted to get your take and what you're seeing. You know, I see some broad expressions of it. I think that I mean, certainly since we just talked about Trump, there's there's a fear of Trump's return. Yeah. I could I could I could see that uh in 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 certain writings and people forward me stuff and i could see there's a deep fear of donald trump returning to power um there's a fear and i share this um there's a fear of like a catastrophic meltdown of the financial system Mm -hmm. i think if you dig around a little bit in any of the bitcoin and any of the financial stuff there seems to be something looming like is you know is the fiat currency going to really start to unravel? I mean, uh, the Japanese yen just was in free fall. There's a sense of the dominoes of the financial system may be starting to fall. And even though I'm, you know, I've, I take lots of, I read lots of stuff on finance and I've, you know, I'm, it still creates a lot of like, you know, this could be unprecedented and it just creates a lot of fear. Like I don't want to see everybody freaking out about, I can't get my money out of the bank or, you know, there's a food shortage or whatever. These, these are the things, this kind of unraveling of society that is probably my deepest fear, even though I've read tons about it, tons of prepping stuff or whatever, but it's still to participate in it feels like it's historic, but it also like, are you ever truly ready for the paradigm to shift? And and my, my, my honest answer for myself is no, I'm not really ready for it. You know, like, um, but here we are. Um, and I know there's people that are afraid of a civil war that that the right and the left will will come to blows in some way, shape, or form. I think that the mainstream media maybe is playing that up more than it's actually 
um, you know, because I know a lot of I know a, pe- a lot of people across the spectrum and nobody's really interested in fighting the other side. I just yeah. think. But I, I think I still see, see some stuff where people say, well, you know, we're on the brink of civil war. I'm like, well, I, I don't that's not my fear. My fear is maybe a sy- systematic meltdown that includes the financial. Um, that's kind of what I'm sitting on is maybe my deepest fear right now or or that, that, or that there's nobody helping humanity you know, is, is maybe another fear of mine. I don't, I don't know what you're seeing or maybe what you're, you're holding on to that could be spoken of as maybe one of your deeper fears about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we have, again, as usual, we have a lot of alignment there. Um, I, I am uh, generally not, not super afraid, um, but it's, it's it's largely because not because I think oh everything's gonna be fine. It's not that. It's it's because um, and <laughs> people might be a little shocked to hear me say this, but even if the outcome eventually is, you know, that humans humans you know kind of uh, put themselves out of existence, mm-hmm. I think that's that ends up being our story. Mm-hmm. You know, do we, you know, ultimately we didn't make the cut. And I recognize that. I don't think that's, I don't think we're close to that. I really don't. No. But, um, but, you know, if we have so many chances, uh, so many opportunities still yeah, to get this right. I mean, so yeah. many, you know, people talk about, again, that you, uh, you talk about the, the climate change and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, I believe generally the consensus of the science, which is um, essentially not at a micro level, but at a macro level, bad stuff is going to happen now. It's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we're going to lose some coastlines and some people are going to die and some things like that. And when I say it that way, I don't mean to minimize that. No, or I, anything like that. I don't mean to be cavalier, but I'm saying some bad stuff is going to happen mm-hmm. and things are going to get worse. And when I study history and the psychology that I know and everything like that, this is just what we're like. We are not good at like things that are far off in the distance, but we aren't experiencing mm-hmm. right now. We're just not good at that. Yeah. Just the human animal, you know, we got to stop, you know, kind of uh, shaming ourselves and saying, what's the matter with it? We're not like, we're not good at that. Yeah. This is the problems that we have right now that require us to envision a future we have never seen before and plan years ahead. There are individuals who are good at that, but as collectively, yeah. we're just not good at that kind of thing. So we're going to get, and then as it becomes a lot worse, it's, you know, we're getting, beginning to get the idea, but as it becomes a lot worse, then we'll start kind of going, oh, okay. And, you know, and the changes yeah. will, will, will come. But, you know, but I think, I think the indications are that we're going to get through that. We're going to be really changed by it. The planet will get changed by it. I think there will be some recovery and I think it'll probably take a couple hundred I, years. I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I would like to see the science around climate uh, without any censorship. I would like sure. to see the smartest people in both camps presenting so that it's not one narrative about it, which is kind of what you get. I, I, I would, and I would like to see that, um, and and with a an eye to the future, like what are, what are you gonna, what are we going to do about this exactly? Sure, but the but the thing is, 
I mean, we can do that and, and there can be a debate about it and all that kind of stuff, but it's still not what's driving it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still like we can go back and forth and say, well, yeah. is it going to be bad? Isn't it? But the thing that's driving it is actually uh, they're, um, the decision makers are are primarily um, uh, commerce. And yeah, we're going to do, you know, maybe we're going to do a little more, maybe we're going to do a little bit less, but ultimately we're kind of on a track and we're gonna go through it one way or another and you know 50 years from now 100 years from now when neither of us is here someone's going to say oh these people were right or those people were right or sure. or what have you but by then we're going to have like cold fusion or we're going to you know we're going to have yeah. uh, you know some some other things and some other answers and either either you know they'll be bringing back animals or there will be, you know, a huge number of extinct mm-hmm. extinctions. And, you know, that's the world that they're going to have and humans will go through that. Yeah. So I, I don't I, get all, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I agree with what you said about humans aren't good at, I don't quite know how you phrased it, but you just said, we're not really good at the long vision necessarily. Right. We're, we're not, we're not, we could see, even if it's true and there's imminent danger, we're, we're, it's not till it even gets worse that we no. get in action. But to be fair, and this might be a minority viewpoint, who has been making a lot of the policy decisions do not necessarily like human beings all that much. We have a lot of sociopaths that cut policy and make all these decisions and create narratives and run mm. media companies. So when you say, that's the only thing I had an issue with, when you say humans... Uh, you know, we just can't get out of our own way. I don't know if we've actually ever really had a humanist running things at the top. That's my one issue with it. It's like we don't know exactly what a heart-centered, um, wise council would be because we've always we've had sociopaths at the top for as long as as there's been written history. So uh, if those are being cleared out and there's evidence they might be. What does that create in terms of the narrative and what does that create in terms of solutions? I think the I think we can creatively figure this out, but we can't figure it out with what's at the top right now. And and that may, you know, that may be there might be a short day coming where that's no longer the case. So um, I'm I'm optimistic. And I heard everything you said about, you know, we can't get out of our own way and we're just going to have to go through it. I totally agree with that. But I have a little bit of an ex- I've said this on a number of them, like, well, when people say humans are naturally violent and they they can't problem solve, and we can't look in the future. It's like, yes. And I don't know if we've been I don't know if we've had the reins to be fair. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. I, I think. uh Probably you and I would get to optimism by somewhat different paths, but we're mm-hmm. both optimistic. Uh, I yes. think we're both both optimistic. You know, uh, when I look at things, you know, my part of my my training and and uh, postgraduate stuff was in systems theory, and I I see, you know, even even a a, a family is a complex system. Mm-hmm. Even even a couple can be a complex system, but when you talk about like the human species or the country, uh, these are very very complex systems. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that we notice about the behavior of complex systems, so they refer to uh, the concept of circular causality. And when you think of linear causality, it's like billiard balls. You know, A causes B causes C, and you know, into the pocket goes the ball. But in circular causality in a complex system, 
all of these factors are constantly co-causing each other, you know, and yeah. and part of the stability, even within I mean, you could say chaos theory, but part of the stability of an ongoing system is that it is constantly changing within the system, but what pulls on one thing has these effects that then generate a counter pull. Yep. And so that's great. We, yeah. And and so uh it's in a complex system that's been around for a long time, and I'm not talking about the United States of America now, maybe that too, but I'm especially talking about the human race. Um, it takes an enormous amount to really upset that ecosystem, that balance in right. such a way that it just goes down to nothing. There, there is, you know, right now, there's so many things, you know, there's COVID to be afraid of, and there's the climate change, and there's, uh, you know, there's all this political upset and things like that. It has people really freaked out. And you mentioned the media and the media and politicians and even commercial interests are very interested in keeping us upset because it makes us easier to, you know, to be persuaded. But but uh, despite all of those those things, it's a really stable system that we're in right now. And it's hard for people to kind of tap into that. Uh, you know, like just how much more that it would take for a true meltdown to happen. So yeah. there, there have been, you know, there have been uh, times throughout human history where, you know, little big changes happen and, you know, there's revolutions and there's things like this and people are convinced this is, this is the end and it's a big deal, but the system stretches, the human system yeah. stretches, and then it recovers. And you know. one of the one of the things you said about you know the circular circular dynamic causality, yeah. causality is you know, and then the mystics will bring in the higher dimensions. So it's like it's interlocking dimensions that that affect communicate with one another. Um, and so if we if we tap into uh, the mystics, the 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 transpersonal, this kind of magic that's happening amongst people that are sort of listening in on those higher dimensions. Um, it's not, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a tendency in the material realm to just look at the material problems and then say, okay, we're going to solve this with material means. But the fact of the matter is there's this constant interplay of information that's happening, uh, that goes up as well. And so how do we integrate that? How do more and more people, you know, awaken to the information that's that's on a higher plane. I think that's a super interesting direction for humanity. And I believe the more people that are accessing that, uh, the more um, uh, we'll start to figure out what the solutions are, right? There's there's a creative interplay happening that isn't isn't in flatland, so to speak, right? That there's that there's inspiration and there's there's brilliant humans that um you know i just think there's there's going to be visionaries coming that aren't even born yet that are going to be able to you know play like an instrument the the higher dimensional you know uh, truths and insights um and i'm just so looking forward to it i'm just trying to do our little part in kind of waking up uh what is what is higher what is in us what is authentic um and i just appreciate your part in it as well i always appreciate talking to you so thanks so much um, and I don't know, do you, is there any last thing you want to say before we sign it off? No, I think that's a great way to wrap up. Yeah. We, we, we of course could go on and on. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just, 
I just appreciate you, James. I appreciate your your steadiness and your insight and your wisdom, how grounded you are. Um, and, you know, we're, we, you and I have a lot in common, yet we're a slightly different style and, and different takes on things. And, you know, we've been into a lot of the same stuff, but yet different. And I just I just really appreciate your conversation and what you bring. So thank you so much. Thank you, Tony. And I greatly appreciate you, too, and your mission and, and what you're doing. So thanks. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with our friend James Rapson. To accelerate your personal development this week, do the Donald Trump projection exercise I did at the top of the show. If there's another person or group that seems to always get you triggered and not Trump, then own the projections around that person or group. I will do another episode soon where a libertarian owns his projections onto liberals. Oh, I really love this stuff, man. Thank you, base campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Man, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Base Camp for Men.